window. It's out the window now, and uh, only a few teams maybe have one or two games left in non-conference play. We're in the full swing of conference play, and we'll start with a Conference USA East Division matchup from last Friday. Charlotte defeats FIU Justin 45-33. to High-scoring affair. This is another game that Charlotte's now won the 49ers 4-2, another high-scoring win for Charlotte. Remember, their first win in Conference USA play was a 42-39 win over middle. This is a 45-33 win over FIU. A good day from Chris Reynolds, and that Charlotte offense continues to play well. Yeah, Reynolds, a very good day. Yeah, 22 for 20, 28, 199, four touchdowns. Borden Schlager, not as much, 19 for 30, 46. I mean, great day yardage was, 466 yards. Though he, though he was about, barely about 60, 60%. You know, still had a good day with yardage, making sure all those passes count, four touchdowns and a, and a pick. Looking at the stats for this game here, here for Charlotte, talking about their rush attack, once they, they kind of were in equilibrium. You know, 199 through the air, 179 on the ground. So they really gave FIU a very tough day defensive-wise. Though uh, Charlotte's pass defense was horrendous, allowing 466 yards compared to 66 on 72 on the ground. So Charlotte's got to work a little bit on the pass defense. But again, for an FIU team that struggled, their their struggles continue. Yeah, it's it's another situation where the Charlotte pass defense struggles that middle game giving up 39 points they win that game against middle but chase cunningham threw for nearly 400 yards and five touchdowns this case borton schlager 466 and four scores that is the main theme right now despite charlotte being four and two and now two and oh in conference usa play that pass defense has not been as good as the run defense they hold Devontae price the running back from fiu just to 89 yards and they keep him out of the end zone but for an FIU team that over the years has struggled finding a good quarterback since the departure of James Morgan a few years back in his graduation. I think Morgan really, was just 19. Yeah, 2019. So yeah. last year into this year, there's been some quarterback questions, but now it seems like Bortenschlager is the guy. He plays well, but it, it looks bad, I think, a little bit on Charlotte's end than the fact that FIU really hasn't had consistent quarterback play to be able to throw the football enough. And FIU is able to do that against this Charlotte defense because think about these long plays. Chambers catches a 75-yard pass. Mitchell, a 50-yard touchdown. So a lot of chunk plays. Everybody that caught the football except for one guy had a pass go for more than 20 yards. Think about that. And that consists of seven different guys that caught a pass. So a lot of deep plays, a lot of chunk plays through the passing game hurt Charlotte's pass defense. And that's a main reason why this team has struggled a little bit in that department because on the back end they've struggled. Yep, and we'll go to the we'll go to another game in the East. the The game right now, Andrew has a mental image of me sprinting down the sidelines. Ben missed this. Uh, Marshall wins in overtime, twenty to thirteen. Andrew, your thoughts on this one? Besides my eighty yard. Well, Justin is referring to he was on the sideline for our broadcast call of this Marshall Old Dominion game. And if oh, Marshall won, we were tube. getting a post-game interview from Justin Zimmer with a Marshall player, and it happened to be Shadid Ahmed. Well, the play and all the action had taken place in the opposite end of the Shuey building, so that's the south end of the stadium, and the interview was going to be conducted near the Shuey building, because that's where the Marshall locker room is, and everybody kind of runs that way. So 
Jason Courier Marshall's SID for football. Well, he, he gave said, me the point to let's go. He, and I, yeah, he said let's go. So I, as, as a spotter, I'm just kind of following Justin. I'm trying to figure out, okay, when's he going to have the interview? You know, I, when do I need to tell Christian and Jade and the two guys that did the game when we're going to have them? And all I see with through my binoculars is Justin Zimmer with a mic in one hand in his other hand, and he's just – Running as fast as he can, keeping up with Justin Coyer down the near sideline. <laughs> Jason Coyer, J- Jason Coyer, eighty yeah. yards down the sideline. It was a good run. You didn't get tackled, which was a good thing. You I eluded a couple defenders, nope. uh, but it was definitely a sight. But a weird football game because Marshall offensively, we were talking about this potent offense all yeah. week. It's been the story of the team, and it was really nowhere to be seen. Old Dominion did a phenomenal job, really defensively. Marshall couldn't figure anything out on offense consistently the ground game was fine but all eight 77 yards on 21 carries is nothing uh, to write home about and it just seemed like the way old dominion was playing they were trying to grind it out they didn't do anything special offensively to win the football game it was more so marshall continuing to just shoot itself in the foot a lot of penalties piled up marshall would drive down the field and then just a couple of penalties here and there would cost the herd but Again, a couple of turnovers from Wells in this football game as well. Twelve penalties in total. A lot of those coming in the first half. So, again, just another and a lot of them defense as well. A lot of defensive penalties. Yeah. So just penalties that too hurt this team. And again, just another app performance. But the late comeback, Marshall able to put up a scoring drive in the fourth quarter. Wells hits Willie Johnson on a 52-yard play, ties the game at 13. Marshall gets the football first in overtime, second play of overtime. Wells hits Ahmed. And you think of those two drives, and you, and you just tune into the football game. You're like, where was this? You know what I mean? Like, where was this from the start? Because as soon as Marshall scored that touchdown, it was like, oh, here's the offense. Now they've clicked. But it took 59 minutes and 27 seconds for them to do that. So it's a credit to Old Dominion. We knew this team was going to battle and fight. The defense hadn't shown it was going to play like it did, but they did. And they limited a good Marshall offense to 20 points and. Uh, put up another good fight. Tough loss for Old Dominion, though. So many tight losses now this season. Three of the five losses come by one possession. Here's what I found interesting. This was the Old Dominion's first FBS game this year where they led at any point. Hampton they led, but, you know, that's expected. FBS, yeah. Yeah. So I think this time you could say, okay, Old Dominion. I think the past couple weeks has been Old Dominion's been so close. We really got to see what happened when this team leads, and I think they're not used to leading against tough competition, so I think they kind of succumbed to the pressure a little bit. The defense was phenomenal. I was down their field. I, I really liked how they were able to look at their coverage. They were able to get Marshall offsides a couple times. But here's what I found interesting, and this came yesterday in Huff's, sound, in, in Huff's Tuesday pressure. I wish we had the soundbite of this. He seemed to call out the offensive coaching staff a little bit. He says they're being a little too cautious with the play calling. Cause he said now they because he said the first game against Navy, they were explosive. Now they're being cautious because now they're afraid of the guy missing the read, missing this. So if you're a Marshall fan, I think that my question is now where's the off like you're now there's concerns about the offense. Now do we need to look at, at Wells? Wells had two turnovers. One of which was Willie Johnson just wasn't there, went to the safety. But Wells is continuing to make mistakes. So I'm curious, if Huff wants explosive plays, the quarterback actually has to show you that he actually can make the throw consistently. 
I mean, that's my big takeaway, but that, that didn't really come till five days later listening to Huffington Special. I, and I wish we had the sound bite for it, but th- that's my fault. It's another case. I mean, back-to-back games now where Wells has thrown two interceptions through two against middle, but... But middle, but think about the how many conditions times at middle Tennessee and Saturday were completely different. Think about the amount of times he's thrown the football. Like... Middle Tennessee State, 47 pass attempts. It's going to be hard sometimes to go that many, to throw the football that many times and not occasionally turn it over. 46 against Old Dominion. 48 against NC Central. He threw a pick in that game as well. Navy game, he throws two picks. But, and Coach Huff will say this too, and he has, not all of the interceptions are on Wells. There's been a couple of instances. I'd say three, four of the nine Wells has thrown through six games that have been on the receiver falling down or a miscommunication. So it's not just Wells delivering bad footballs. And he struggled at times. He he was not on point with his wide receivers on Saturday. But but the good thing about what Wells has done is he threw out what happened in the first 59 minutes or first 55 minutes. And when it came down to the offense needing a score – he made it happen. Made the big play happen. Tied the game. Went into overtime. Made it happen again. So when it mattered most, and when he needed to make a play, he forgot about the first three three and a half quarters of football and made those plays to help keep his team alive and win the game. So that's the positive yeah. to it. It's not like he is completely bad this entire football game. No, the numbers was, he, will say he was average, but that fourth quarter was huge because it keeps Marshall's season alive. Here's a factor that concerns me about Wells, and I know it's Saturday being on the sidelines. Most times, the, the quarterback's going to talk to the offensive coordinator during the defensive drives. He's not talking to Tim Cramsey. He's just in there. So, to me, there's some communication thing going on that he's still learning the system. I, 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 could, I, I could not have brought you this observation if I wasn't down field level. Uh, it seems like Ben Carroll. Do you want to talk or no? It seems like you're like eager to say no. Okay, no, he's good. Okay. All right, let's go on to the next. Yeah, we'll move on. Middle Tennessee State went on the road, take on Liberty. Went well for the Flames, 41-13 over Middle. Good thing on Middle's end, Chase Cunningham got banged up in the Marshall win. Uh, He was back out onto the field, 230 through the year. In terms of yardage, two touchdowns and one pick. The big thing about Middle could not run the football. Think of these numbers, 21 carries, 35 yards. The biggest run was a 12-yard run from Cunningham, so not much done on the ground for the Blue Raiders, and as expected, um, Malik Willis was a problem, but middle forced three turnovers from Malik Willis. They intercepted him three times, so another good performance for Middle Tennessee State's defense that shut down the herd and comes in, obviously, into this game against a Liberty team that's now 5-1, and one, overly matched a little bit, but you make it interesting throughout, end up losing by two score, multiple scores, 41-13, to 13, but overall... Uh, not a bad result in, in a way. I think Liberty was expected to win this football game, but the defense continues to make plays. The offense is really just missing in the ground game being really effective, and it showed this week. Yeah, and I, I think we all knew Middle Tennessee was going to struggle. Cunningham comes back. I think that's the only positive for the Blue Raiders in this game. You get you know, they get their star quarterback back. You know, 22 for 42. You know, I mean, it's a decent day, but, again, you're playing Liberty. I mean – 17 for 30, their pass defense, Middle Tennessee's pass defense was good. They they went about 222 for Willis, so I think that's a very good good sign there. Don't really have much notes on this game. You know, other than that, for Middle Tennessee, you have one more winnable non-conference game, and that's, that's against UConn. I believe that's either this week or next week. 
Yeah, Mills, Mills is a dangerous team. They could honestly win a bunch of football games, I think, in the in the, in the conference portion of this schedule. You got Southern Miss. Careful. You got FIU. I mean, they beat Marshall, and Marshall was one of the prohibited favorites in the East. So I'm not okay. counting out Middle Tennessee State at all because you play Old Dominion, who's, who's projected to be toward the bottom. They've struggled this year. FIU, both win one-win teams, and Southern Miss. There's three one-win teams on the, on the range of this schedule. So Middle Tennessee State could go bowling based off of that schedule and considering what they've done so far this season. We'll leave it at that and move on. Missouri on the road, able to defeat North Texas 48-35. to Close football game here. Austin on uh, eventually takes over for North Texas at quarterback. He seems to be the guy now. He's 28 years old, which is quite uh, interesting there, too. He played baseball and uh, I think, yeah, drafted by the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, so now he's playing football for North Texas. 305-4 scores. And this one helped keep things a little bit close against Missouri. It was 31-7 at half, but North Texas battled back, scored 28 points in the second half to make it interesting and only fall in this game by 13 points. So I think this is a good result for a mean green team that seems to be figuring things out a little bit on the offensive end. That's not really been the question for this team in previous years. It's been, can the defense stop anybody? But now... You know, coming into this week and in most of this season, it's been can the defense, can the offense provide spark? The offense finally does. The defense, not so much in this game, but the offense has been a concern so far this year, and it picked up the pace of this one a little bit. Well, I'm going to be sitting down the next couple of nights as they're playing Marshall Friday. I'm going to sit down and watch North Texas on tape, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. But you know, Ani comes in the new the new starting quarterback. You know, they actually did very well. Talk about third down. You know. Third down efficiency wasn't great. Passing yards, you know, I think a lot's been made of North Texas's defense. This game could have easily been a blowout just because who they were playing. But North Texas defense, did a, the offense gets the credit for putting points on the board. But the defense did, did, did a phenomenal job not letting this game become out of hand. They they actually played very good quality football. So, if you know, I think they've struggled all season. But I think this is this could be. I think this start of a turnaround for the mean green so i think very good performance by the uh and then mizzou this is not inside the sec so i'm not going to uh sit here and digest their performance but no i think good performance by the by the by the main green all right let's talk about a team uh how about the utep miners how how, how about this first storyline they are one win away from going bowling for the first time in the dan demel era and they and the Will Hall problem continues. I'm about to I'm gonna let Edge go first before I start talking about quarterbacks at Southern Miss. So, Andrew, your thoughts on this one? Because I got my QB thing teed up. Well, how about UTEP? I mean, this team has played really well this season. I, I know a lot of people probably came into this season not thinking much about this Miners team, but coming in on paper, good, favorable schedule coming in to have a good year, and they've but able to do that despite not getting consistent play from Hardison, Gavin Hardison at quarterback. Uh, only complete seven passes. He did it for 127 yards, did throw a pick, but he didn't do much through the air, but enough. The ground game was phenomenal, 265 as a team and two touchdowns. Ronald Awat uh, has been good at running back, kind of spelling. Deion Hankins, who was their main guy, had a good freshman season. Hankins in this game, 13 carries, 46 yards. He's been a little bit banged up too, so they got a one-two punch there. At running back in Awad and, and Hankins now that they can present any team. This is a team five and one, two and zero oh in conference USA play, kind of just sneaking up on teams 
in a way Southern Miss again quarterback problems offensively it has been a struggle but I'm still just amazed about how remarkable UTEP has been only won a total of five games the previous four years and they haven't won more than five games in a season in eight years think about that yep five wins in four previous seasons combined what a season if they lose every other game so be it but what a start yeah it's incredible well i remember at the beginning of the year i said mr demel's on the hot seat he's not on the hot seat i said at the beginning of the year i now owe an apology to the utep miners so we can clip that coward then i i i'm nice enough to apologize for what i say good stuff um all right, you, 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 well, I told you I was going to talk about a Southern Miss's quarterback situation, so. Let me bring this up, too. They've got injuries. Ty Keyes has hurt and right. Trey Lowe, so they got, they're at Jake Lynch, and he's been fine, but they also have now turned to a student assistant right. as their third-string quarterback due to injuries. This Jake Smithhart. Uh, right. So had now, a good high school career, but he's a student assistant, now going to be the third-string quarterback for the Golden They've been hit by injuries. So, so Ben, if you want to be a quarterback in college, you just got to send the bleachers at Southern Miss that they might bring you down. No, he's a student assistant. Well, so I mean. With the program in a way, but now he's their third quarterback in an emergency situation. So, but, they, they, again, injuries have been their right, problem, but they haven't the had enough around those pieces either to where one can transition well enough. And I think that's the. I think we talked about Southern Miss being, for lack of a better word, a dumpster fire at quarterback. I, I think. I know dumpster fire is a strong word, but I think that's the best way. That's the best thing I could describe it as. When they go into the recruiting trail, they're going to actually have to seriously take a look at themselves. Will Hall's going because Will Hall's the quarterbacks coach. He's going to have to seriously target quarterbacks. Because you can't keep having this problem. At this point, uh, I was joking with Ben about, you know, you could be in the stands there. At this point, you might as well just, you could start throwing people out there to be quarterback. Like, you at, quarterback is the most important position on offense. The most important position on defense is the middle linebacker. If you don't have those two positions on either side of the ball and have enough depth, you're not going to succeed. And I think this is what's happening at Southern Miss. When you don't have depth at that position, you don't succeed. UTEP's a good football team. Not many teams, especially in Conference USA, could survive two quarterback injuries. No. So it's hard to expect. that's at any level of college football. It's hard to expect. That's at any level of college football. You go to, you go to Georgia, by the time they get to the fourth-string quarterback, okay, the kid played in high school – maybe three-star recruit, the game's at a lot faster of a pace. But if you're having quarterback problems, the result, which they're having, is this is going to continue. So if you will haul on the staff, you just, at this point, I said it last week, you just throw the season in the garbage can. No, you still got a bunch of games. You never know. Turn it around, maybe. You turn it around, maybe you win two or three. But you got the, the 2022 recruiting class, when we talk early signing day in December, there better be at least, I uh, better at least see two quarterbacks on that sheet, or else I'm gonna be wondering what the heck's going on recruiting-wise. All right, we got two more games, good games to talk yeah. about here between East Division teams and West Division teams. The West Division owned the East. I'll leave it there, or I'll start with that. UAB 
Justin's preview of the Conference USA Championship went the Blazers' way, 31-14 over FAU. That UAB defense continues to be stout, forcing four FAU turnovers, a fumble lost, and three Nikosi Perry interceptions, y'all. He had had the fumble, so four Nikosi Perry fumbles. And FAU has always been kind of a run-first team. We'll mix in the pass. A little bit more pass this year with Perry being a good quarterback. Wasn't so much in this football game, but FAU on the ground held the 46 yards on 38 carries. UAB's defense is a problem, and it's been that way for several years, and it was seen again this week. Yeah, and I think you talk about Nikosi Perry, the three turnovers, that's what stands out to me. You uh-huh. know, for three fumbles for a team that I think is going to win the East, and as I said in the preseason, I do think these two teams are going to see each other again. So now if you're FAU, you're most likely going back to Bama. You're not going to come – Bama's not going to – UAB's not going to come to you. Nope. Um, three turnovers is a problem. Ball security. Again, this is radio. I'm not going to do a full-on demonstration of how to secure a football, but you have to if, – if you're FAU, you have multiple quarterbacks in the stable. You have Willie Tagger Jr., you have about – three quarterbacks who have some collegiate experience. It's not time to press the panic button yet, but you, the, the, Willie Taggart and his staff, that has to be like a major point of emphasis this week about how to hold the football. UAB's defense, it struggled all year. I think the only game I think they were good was that Jacksonville State game. So um, you're hoping if you're UAB, you're hitting your stride in about November and December, so, but uh good uh i just wanted to make a point where last week going into predicting this game we justin you specifically cited that uh willis did fantastic against their defense yeah uh because of his versatility and how perry is a very similar player to willis in, in ability well they learned a lesson but yeah that's what i was going to say is i was going to give the uab defense their props because they clearly did their homework. They just prepared as if they were playing Willis again, and they shut him down. One fumble, three interceptions. Uh, I mean, again, as you said, the UAB defense hasn't been fantastic this year, but clearly in this one game, they're coming off of, you know, they just played a QB that kind of has the same style as who they just played this week. So obviously they figured that out. Yeah, they figured it out, and if you're UAB, you got to keep that in the mental bank because this is not going to be the first time they're going to see a dual-threat quarterback. So UAB's defense, I think that this is something that they have to focus on the rest of the year. That's a good point, Carol. I actually forgot I mentioned that last week. So that's why we have Ben Cowher. He's got a better memory than I do. All right, final game before we take one final or we take a break and – uh, get to previewing and, and maybe a little bit well, more news as well. Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment, though. We'll keep that. We'll tease it a little bit. UTSA takes down Western Kentucky on the road, fifty-two to forty-six. Yeah, fifty-two to forty-six. Ninety-eight combined points, twelve hundred yards of offense. Zappy from Western at quarterback and Frank Harris. They combined for eight hundred yards of passing plus and eleven touchdowns, both through an interception as well. Both teams turned the ball over twice. This was a scoring fest. You score, I can score, we everyone can score. can score. Yeah, is you can score, we can do it better, and then the opponent would and, match the score, back. Justin can score, Justin can score, even Ben Cowan can score. 
not going to say I expected a shootout. I, I expected it to be a high-scoring affair and the offenses to kind of take over, but I thought when UTSA would get a lead, and UTSA had the lead at one point, it was specifically 42-31 halfway through the third quarter, and I thought maybe UTSA would ground it out, try to run some clock, but again, the scoring just continued to pick up, and Frank Harris able to put up put away uh, UTSA for the most part with a late touchdown in the fourth quarter, but I thought when this game went on, UTSA would try to ground it out, and McCormick had 120 yards on the ground, so they used him, and they utilized yeah, him they a did. lot. They did use but him. it was just such an offensive game back and forth. Neither defense made enough big plays and to change the outcome of this football game. I was surprised. I thought it would be in the 30s. I didn't expect the 50s and the late 40s, but uh, this was definitely an exciting football game. And how about the Roadrunners? 6-0 and now. Can we get the bowling pins out? Because the Roadrunners are going to go bowling. They're going to be saying hello. Well, they want more than a bowling. And they're undefeated halfway through the year. They're undefeated, but we can at least say this. They're going to go dancing into bowl season, and we'll see where they end up and who they're going to get in bowl season. Again, I agree with you. I think this was going to be a shootout. You know, I've been critical of Western Kentucky's offense all season. You know, I think they had a good game against uh, UTSA. And I think that those two Big Ten games prepared them for UTSA. So I think you got to give the the director of athletics here very good job on scheduling McCormick glad they used him a little bit more tonight you know I've, you know I've, Andrew I've been over at, on this microphone complaining about McCormick not being used glad that he got in a little bit but uh West Kentucky's defense you got to close out close ball games you know so that's the only concern I got but UTSA congratulations you're going bowling and whoever get uh, put me down as this Whoever gets UTSA in a bowl game is going to have a long afternoon. Not going to say they're going to win. It depends on who they're going to play, but I think they're going to have a long. UTSA is a problem. Them and UAB are probably the best two teams playing the best football right now. Let's not forget, too, Western is 1-4, but you've played Army, Army, Indiana, Michigan State, UTSA. They're on a four-game losing streak, but that's a tough four-game stretch. Well, here's the thing. with uh, Analyzing this, Army, you have the different defensive scheme. You have the two tough games against the Big Ten. You're not expected to win that game. They kept those. They kept Indiana close. Yep. Michigan's had a trouble with. So, I think right now, I think now as they get into more conference play, I think they're. Gonna, I think they're going to turn around. I think Ben wants to say something here. Well, I mean, for Western, every single game that they have almost won in that in that losing streak has been agonizingly close. Right. Where, I mean, Army they lost by three points. Another, you know, and it's it's a pattern. Where this is why I. We'll get into pick them later, but this is why I picked Western to lose this past week because every game they get behind at the beginning and then they try to make a comeback late and or stay kind of even, but they lose by a score where to Army they lost by three, 35, or 38 to 35. Indiana, uh, they lost by two points. Uh, Western, probably their biggest, or against Michigan State, uh, their biggest loss, uh, 48 to 31. And then they lost to uh, UTSA by six points so it's all close losses for west uh western kentucky they're not a bad football team it's just that they can't close it out ever they remind me of <laughs> old season. dominion they remind me of old dominion western kentucky does yeah because like, i feel like old dominions had the same problem this year they just get close in the ball game they just can't finish it and take over so the scenario is different western has played good teams right like decent right, very quality good power teams. five teams so i'm not looking as much into the one win record 
I'm not either, I, but I'm just saying. But we'll like, see as the game go, season goes on if finishing continues to be a problem. I think that's a me- more of a well, army we're playing well, well, issue. Army's more. I mean, army, you have the the scheme, but I think. But again, I think they remind me of Old Dominion. Is this? They have grit. They're actually fighting to stay oh, yeah. in the game. They're not getting blown out. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. We've got some Conference USA news to talk about, and then we'll preview and talk about the week seven ahead in Conference USA football. You're listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Your home for award-winning coverage of Marshall Athletics is right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP Ravenswood, West Virginia. In today's economy, it's just as common for companies to merge and go out of business as it is for workers to change jobs. As a result, retirement plans can be left behind, lost or forgotten about until it's time for workers to retire. Even in the best of circumstances, workers can have questions about or problems with their retirement plans, but not know where to turn for help. That's where Pension Help America comes in. Found online at pensionhelp.org, Pension Help America connects Americans to resources that can help them find answers to questions about their retirement plans. By guiding you through a simple series of questions, Pension Help America will put you on the path to finding the help you need. Pension Help America is a website of the Pension Rights Center, a nonprofit consumer organization dedicated to protecting and promoting the retirement security of American workers, retirees, and their families. If you have a question about your retirement plan, visit pensionhelp.org. That's pensionhelp.org. A public service message from the Pension Rights Center. This is former Herb men's basketball player Ott Elmore, and you're listening to the worldwide leader in Marshall Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Back inside Conference USA, Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, and Ben Cower here on the program. There was some news. I say Ben that, gave us this topic to talk about. Yeah, yeah. We, there was some news that hit the internet last night. It was involving Conference USA wanting to ask the American Athletic Conference to consider a reorganization of both conferences, and that would be. Uh, that comes from the proposal does from Conference USA Commissioner Judy McLeod. So it w- would require the conferences to remake themselves based on geography, creating two different leagues based under different names as well. And the CUSA presidents obviously voted on that, I think, Monday and approved the decision to reach out to the AAC. Well, the AAC responded. I didn't really respond, we'll say, but the reports have said that the AAC... Let me read it exactly here before so I don't get it wrong. The AAC has yet to formally respond to Conference USA's reorganization plan of combining both leagues and then dividing them into two new leagues geographically. However, there is absolutely no interest from the American Athletic Conference to do so. So Marshall, or not Marshall, Conference USA's idea is once Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston head to the Big 12, then you're going to have a bunch of these other teams and you're going to be left with what nine ten teams in the yeah, league nine. About nine. and you have a conference yeah, usa sir. where and then you leave what smu that's a texas school in there some other schools in that area tulsa um in a situation where they have to go across the country in a way to the east coast to play these other schools so conference usa is thinking okay this is our opportunity to take a step up in a way to maybe get and mix in some of these other programs and i think in a way when you lose Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, it's going to bring down the American, obviously. But the American, in terms of group of five, is, is top, and Conference USA is in the middle. 
You know, American is better than Conference USA, and I understand why CUSA wants this realignment. It makes sense geographically in terms of rivalries and all that jazz, but the American sees themselves higher up than Conference USA. Why are we going to come down and help reorganize it so then it benefits USA more, if that makes sense there? Yeah, and I think I wasn't aware of the American, because last night I was sitting there kind of putting the conference together in my mind, and so... Well, that's what a lot of people are doing. Yeah, I mean, I would have done a full-on demonstration here, but I'm not going to. So, here's who benefits from it. Because the Americans said no. No interest. No interest. At this point. So, if you're the if you're Conference USA, you stay put till 2023. Now, I think when Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston skedaddle to go to the Big 12... I think that's when this conversation is going to restart up again. However, there are other there are still three other group of five conferences that if you're Conference USA, you could still contact and try to maybe get somewhat of an alignment spiel going on here. So if you're Conference USA, are you happy? No, but this is not the last time this conversation is gonna happen. I just think right now if you're the American you're already furious you lost three members. That they're, they're, they're going to go skedaddle to the Big 12. Give it two years. Let let the move happen and then rebound. But since Ben Coward gave us this topic, I want to get his take on this. Because, Ben, you and I were talking about this weeks ago. About this whole, if, it's, if, if you're Conference USA school, maybe it's time to start making some calls. Well, I think it's really interesting. Because it would make <laughs> the conference would be huge. But at the same time... Uh, just from a Marshall standpoint, you know, considering we are Marshall University, uh, I would love to see this team get to play Coastal and App State and and well, SMU every year. Proposal we were hearing about. Yeah, I mean, there were they were a few of the teams mentioned in this big conglomeration that they're trying to make, but it would all it would be about. You know, Conference USA wants more quality opponents. Where that's what the you know the American Conference is is. You know, because they're near the you know near the top, and conference is conference USA is near the middle. So, I think it would be exciting for a lot of uh, conference USA teams to get to play, you know, a lot of these opponents more often. Where already Marshall has a bit of a rivalry with App State. Imagine if that was every single season. That would be extremely entertaining. And then at the same time, you know, Coastal. Uh, Coastal has been a ranked team. Uh, App State's always bordered between being a ranked team. Uh, you get some ranked teams, and SMU is ranked right now. I mean, you, you get some ranked teams in the mix. Uh, it raises the floor a lot for Conference USA and a lot of the competitors within it. So I think it would, if you're, you know, you're Marshall or you're a, you know, middle to near top Conference USA team, you really want this to happen because you're going to get more exposure regardless. I just think it's going to be one of those two years things. I think, I think they're just going to wait for the skedaddle to happen and then they'll. Callback. Yeah, I can see that. And they'll pounce. I can also yeah. see though it happening relatively soon, just because teams and well, this is a make Texas a move. and Oklahoma deal. I, yeah, but I'm saying like in terms of, I think just oh, because you have the, the, money the, thing the, as well. the time yeah, the money is, is now really to make if you're going to make a move, the time is now. Oklahoma and Texas have broke the barrier. And we're like, okay, we're on the move. This is now an opportunity for these G5 teams and these comp G5 conferences in particular to, okay, let's maybe. Uh, you know, go this direction because we can now and try to help 
our because all these group of five teams in a way are trying to help themselves. You know, right. They're, they're not because they're not getting respect five. from the committee. This so is, then this eventually is where it all comes from. Cincinnati, UCFs that can move up to Big Twelve. That happens to them one time. The we'll leave it at this after mention here what the West and East conference would look like. Well, obviously the West would be their own separate well, conference. Own the East would be the real thing. Just. Yeah. Quickly, right. SMU, North Texas, Rice, UTEP, Southern Miss, Tulane, Tulsa, La Tech, UAB, Memphis, UTSA. That's and one that's conference. Like, yeah, that's what I basically had. That's one conference. East East Carolina, Charlotte, Old Dominion, Temple, Marshall, the Florida schools, FAU, FIU, South Florida, Middle, Western, and then two potential opening spots somewhere to, to help equal out the conference. Yeah, who, but who's going to want to join? That, that's that's my question. Like, yeah, just two. You maybe get two Sun Belt teams. Possibly. I don't see anybody leaving the Sun Belt. Well, if you make this intriguing conference, new conference alignment, it could possibly mm-hmm. intrigue a couple of schools. I wonder if anybody would leave Mountain. No, I don't know. I think Mountain's kind well, of the, based off. They're of, happy. They're little. Based bubble. off this little conference USA American Athletic Conference talk, it's it's only talk right now. It made. What about Navy? You said Navy's in the East, right? Uh, Navy. I did not mention Navy. So Navy would be in the East. Yeah, because because Navy only does football, and then they're in the Patriot League yeah. for basketball. So that that's the talk again. American Athletic Conference really hasn't showed any interest in doing that, but Conference USA made a proposal to do that. Justin's got to get skedaddling. I'll use your words since you use that tonight. Thank you. Uh, here in about five minutes for Sports View, that'll host down in Studio A, uh, right here off Sports View with Cross Country. A couple of runners there from one from the men's side, one from yep. the women's side. So Ben. Well, let's get our, let's get the uh, totals. We'll save your cower. What is it? Ben's bullseye. Ben's bullseye. We'll save Ben's bullseye for uh, when Zimmer leaves. But give us our records and how we stand it before Justin makes his picks. All right. Well, I know Andrew's excited about hearing the records because once again he he picked every single game right. Is this the second week in a row? That I, I I believe so. He just he, so as of recent he what can't you're miss. Telling me is I have not lost a game in the month of October. Oh boy. Mr. October. Yes. That's yeah, right. Mr. October. Mr. Rogers. What's the record again? You know, Versus 50, be texting you <laughs> 56 and 7. Oh, Cowers got Andrew. proof. Cowers got proof of each week, I think. 56 and 7 for Andrew. I uh, uh, My record is 49 and 14, and Justin's is 53 and 10. So, Justin, you're only, you're only three behind, Andrew. We're not all picking bad. Like, this past week, uh, Justin and I only got one game wrong each. Andrew got every single game right. Where I the one I got wrong was FIU and Charlotte, and then obviously Justin took FAU over UAB. But then again, we all picked every single other yep. game right. Nobody's nobody's a, a caboose a by far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about that winning percentage, Justin. That's what happens when you've been on this program and started it up for three years now. Eighty-eight percent. Oh my! Just saying. Is this all three years? Just saying. All right, Justin, we got to get your picks in yeah. here. Marshall North Texas. We'll start with the Friday night game. Marshall's three and three. North Texas is one and four. Well, North Texas, I think their defense held strong last week. Marshall, I think they have a they had a very they had a very big win on Saturday. I'm just worried about the emo- coach. Huff's talked that was my pen. Coach Huff has talked a, re- a lot about the emotional conditioning recently and about how these guys got to stay in it for the whole sixty minutes. I think after a big win like that, I think it's going to be tough. Give me North Texas. Close. I'm going upset here. Marshall's an 11-point favorite in Denton. First time in on, I think this would be just the second time, actually. First second since 2016. Third. Second time in the conference era. 
uh, Saturday slate of games. And remember, all these games, there's five games, and they're all Conference USA games. Western Kentucky will go on the road to face Old Dominion, a pair of one-win teams. And the two teams I said that were like, like each other, yeah, facing each other. I'm going to go Western. I think Old Dominion's defense, I think they, I think last we talked about emotional conditioning, I think they're kind of let down from last week. I think Western Kentucky, this is the game to get it right. So give me the Hilltoppers, but I think this is going to be close as it was last week with uh, Old Odie and Marshall. UAB Southern Miss West Division. UAB's four and two. Southern Miss quarterback problems one and Blazers. five. They're at home though. Blazers. Blazers. That's all you want to say, Blazers. Yeah. Well, I don't really have a lot. I don't have a lot of time to. I agree. Flush out my now. Next week I'll get more of a chance, hopefully, to flush out my analysis and say. Good one here. A couple of good ones here in the yep. West Division to wrap us up here. Rice UTSA. UTSA undefeated, 6-0. Rice 2-3. The Owls go on the road to face the Roadrunners. Make it 7-0 for UTSA. I think McCormick will have another good day. Rice's defense, I think, has been struggling all year. So give me, uh, give me the, uh, give me the Roadrunners. And then the final game that we're going to make our game of the week, UTEP La Tech. UTEP's at home, five and one. La Tech, three tough losses, two and three on the road. LaTeX has struggled all year on defense and in, in, in games. Get the bowling pins ready in UTEP. Give me the minors. And this time next week, we're gonna be sending the minors dancing into bowl season. Wow. I mean, I would, what a what a story! What a remarkable story! Zimmer's gonna keep riding the story. Uh, Justin, we'll talk about these conference standings sure. before we let you go here. Um, how about this? Looking at the East and West division. And we'll make this relatively quick. We'll come back with it, too. But yep. there is one undefeated team in the East Division of Conference USA. Charlotte, 2-0. The West Division, five teams undefeated at well, this point. Three now, are 2-0, yeah. two are 1-0. I think it says the conference is strong. I think, you know, this is a conference where everyone's going to have to beat up on each other, at least in the, particularly in the West. Everyone's going to have to beat up on each other to be top dog. I think... When the media poll came out, I think everyone just wrote in UAB. Everybody wrote in Marshall, and like, okay, let's have a bowl. Let's have the conference championship. Let's just see where it's going to be held. So, I think as of right now, for for the conference, this is very strong for the conference. We, we were just talking about realignment. This is very good for the conference. Be like, hey, we are good. We have multiple teams in this conference that are good. So, when 2023 comes around and the American calls. We'll go. We'll go from there. All right, Justin, go do your thing. Yep. Head downstairs. We'll take a break. Come back. Ben and I will talk about this week's games and some conference standings as well here on Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. What I say, you already know, but you don't believe. You won't accept. You don't conceive. When you're inside your car, you feel safest of all. Are you safe? Are you? Two tons of sheet metal in your hands. Two tons don't run on autopilot. You have a mission. It's no collision. Hold the phone. Don't text. You're angling to be next. Oh, you've done it before. What's the harm? Just this once. There's no alarm. Got your hands on the wheel? No big deal. Brothers and sisters, you won't see it coming. You're off the road. Your life explodes. It's not worth it. Don't do it. You only think there's nothing to it. Put it down. Hang up. Pay attention to highway action. Behind the wheel, there is no such thing as a small distraction. Join the conversation at DecideToDrive.org, a public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, who would rather help keep your bones strong 
then put them back together. Mike O'Donnell here with CBS Sports, and you're listening to the worldwide leader of martial athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Back inside Conference USA, Andrew Rogers here with Ben Cower now as we run you through the detailed version here of the Conference USA standings. East Division Charlotte is 2-0, 4-2 overall. And then two 1-1 one one teams, FAU 1-1 one in, one in conference play, Marshall 1-1, one one, Middle Tennessee State 1-2, Western Kentucky 0-1, oh and, and FIU and Old Dominion with no wins in conference play and two losses. The West Division 3 2-0 oh teams, UTSA, UTEP, and UAB all 2-0, oh. La Tech 1-0, oh, Rice 1-0, and, oh, and then North Texas and Southern Miss both 0-2. Oh so with Justin and I, we talked about that a little bit too there, Ben, but how about that? I mean, it's going to change when we get into these games, and we've talked about it already, but Rice is going to play UTSA. That's going to knock out an undefeated team. La Tech plays UAB, so the most we can have in the West Division going undefeated will be three teams, but still five undefeated teams. We're in Week 7 in conference play. That is remarkable for the West Division, where in the East, only one. It's quite interesting to notice that, but in a way, too, the only team in the East that's undefeated is Charlotte. And I think a lot of people had that maybe 3-4 range in terms of where they'd finish in the East. Well, I mean, it just goes to show that it's a it's a dogfight in either division. Yep. Where one of them, everybody, everybody's basically has a perfect record, and the other one, everybody is, it's, you're fighting to the nail because nobody has a good record in the, you know, the East is up and down, and then the West is, you know, everybody's living the high life, but... You know, the West, obviously, they're gonna. some records are going to get a little damaged here as we get a little further into conference play. Uh, but for the East, it's just everybody's kind of skirmishing to get, you know, the, be the best of, yeah. I don't want to say the best of the best of the rest, but just the, the best of the worst, I guess, where, you know, you, you want to have the highest record possible, but it's not going to look pretty. What's really intriguing, too, by this, and, and it's two different situations now Ben too because we're in conference play so one loss could change a season in the West Division you know if UTSA drops one this week to Rice all of a sudden you're thinking oh maybe the Roadrunners cannot because if UAB runs the table UAB wins the you know wins that West Division whereas in the East one loss from FAU and Marshall and right now doesn't look as bad because Charlotte's 2-0 you beat Charlotte you're in good shape so it's a totally different situation in each division where the East, you've got maybe a loss, and it won't hurt you. The West, not so much. So let's get to the games. Friday night, Marshall will take on North Texas. Justin's already made his pick. He likes the mean green. What do you think? For the mean green, I, I'm i going to go with Marshall on this one. Where the mean green have been, I mean, they're 1-4. Uh, their offensive ability has it's been up and down this year so far. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say they've completely fixed all of their their errors and concerns but I like Marshall in this one uh North Texas has historically at least this season struggled on the defensive side of the ball uh last week they certainly did uh and Marshall has a when when they decide not to make mistakes uh the phone going off in the background uh, excuse me but uh when when Marshall isn't making mistakes, they're very efficient on the offense, and I don't think this is going to be a blowout of a game, for any you know any intents and purposes. But I think Marshall will come out on top in this one. 
I didn't get your bullseye. So Ben's no, bullseye. Go ahead. The, the bullseye. All right. I've been. I was wondering for the. I was waiting for the. Well, the Q and then you just got to go with it. <laughs> just go. Just, mention, just, I, yeah, just no, barge on in. Go ahead. Uh, all right. My bullseye for this week. Ben's bullseye. Uh, UAB is going to cover the spread versus uh, Southern Miz. I I I like. I mean, the spread is sixteen. UAB is coming off. Can I cover that? Huh? You like the cover? I like the cover because UAB is coming off a big road win, yep. and I mean, oof. Uh, excuse me for saying Southern Miss just has a terrible defense. I mean, their, their defense is not very good. Their offense I mean, isn't much better. Their offense isn't much better, but it, I see a lot of similarities between last week and this week for Southern Miss, where uh, when uh, FAU had just 46 rushing yards versus UAB, where UAB's defense has been very up and down this year, but they only had 46 rushing yards. They're really good against the rush, and then obviously they were they were good against you know battling the QB too. And then when you look at Southern Miss, Southern Miss is coming off a game uh, versus UTEP where they were at home, where they will be this week. Southern Miss is at home again. They had 15 rushing yards. Yeah. Just 15. And obviously UAB showed against FAU, which is a much more capable team, that they can shut down the rush efficiently. And on top of that, you know, if if uh, Perry couldn't get anything done against this uh, against this UAB defense, then I I don't I see no reason why uh, why Southern miss. Would have any chance with some luck at QB against the a stout UAB defense. Uh, I, I say UAB covers the, the covers the spread and they take the victory. All right, so I'll go back and make my Marshall pick. I like the herd as well. I think it's a closer football game. That that line is 11. It seems to be a little bit much. Remember, Marshall's got to go to Denton, Texas. hasn't been there haven't haven't been there very often. So. I think Marshall's able to hold on, but again, we're still waiting for a complete game from this team offensively, defensively, a clean game as well. Haven't got that yet. Maybe it's this week, but I think Marshall just barely survives. It's going to be a tough test. UAB, I'm going to go with them as well over Southern Miss. I think they cover and win that game relatively well because, keep in mind, UAB has a really good defense, made it difficult on an FAU team that a lot of people think could win the East in that good offense, and... Southern Miss, even with their number one quarterback this year, didn't do much offensively, and they're down to their third guy. So I'm going to take UAB in a route there. Western Kentucky, Old Dominion. I'll make the pick first here, Ben. I like Western Kentucky. It's really a tale of two different teams. Old Dominion has struggled at times offensively. Best offensive output in an FBS game is 34 against Buffalo. A lot of those came in a come-from-behind effort late in that second half, so I'm not putting much into that. Defensively, it's an improved side. Only allowed 20 with 13 of those or 14 of those coming in the uh, final moments, really, of that game with Marshall and Western Kentucky scores on everyone. So this is a team averaging 40 a night. Defensively, not so much, but Old Dominion struggled offensively. So I think Western Kentucky is really just going to outscore Old Dominion. Old Dominion's not going to be able to keep up with Western. So I'll take the Hilltoppers. I like the Hilltoppers in this one, too. I, when I look at both of these teams, they're fighters, where they're not having exactly the seasons that they want, but ODU has shown that they can be a competitive team. I mean, just these last couple games, I mean, again, one point away from beating Buffalo, uh, just a score away from beating UTEP, uh, and then overtime, 
lost to Marshall, but they they gave Marshall a run for their money right here in Huntington. And I I think that ODU will probably come close to beating WKU for some you know indiscernible reason, but. I like WKU. I mean, their offense is just, it's phenomenal despite the record. So I'm I'm got I got to take the the Hilltoppers in this one, even though the record may not show it. But the record doesn't tell the full story for either of these teams at all. I just like Western's offense a little bit more in this one. UTSA Rice. UTSA has been playing some really good football. Hasn't lost a home conference game since 2019. Has won five Conference USA games in a row dating back to the end of last season. Already 2-0 in Conference USA play. 6-0 start. How do you see it going? 6-0 start. I say make it 7-0. But I think this game might be, it might surprise some people. Because Rice, Rice this year, again, Rice is not a, a terrible team. They're coming off a win versus, you know, Southern Miss, which is a bit of a mess. But uh, I don't know. I, Rice is always that one team where, Last year, when they played Marshall, Marshall was undefeated, and it looked like, was it around this time last year? I believe so. It was right around the middle of October. December. De- oh, it was December. Okay. A uh, couple months off, but uh, just still, Marshall at that point was didn't have a loss. Rolling. They were rolling, and then all of a sudden, and again, uh, just another similarity, they are away. They're at, uh, they're at the Roadrunners. You know, they're, they're at UTSA. For this game, UTSA has got everything going their way. I'm still going to pick the Roadrunners in this game, but I'm just saying Rice is good for that one upset a year type deal. I mean, they, they got two wins already this year. They've shown some competence. They've shown some life. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. Uh, they're really going to give, I think, the Roadrunners a little, you know, seat's going to be a little warm, but Roadrunners take the victory in this one. I agree. I think Rice could make this one interesting. UTSA, again, has got everything going for him. The offense has been clicking. But despite all that, I think the Roadrunners do enough to survive. They've had a couple of interesting results so far this year, but they'll get it done. UTEP La Tech, final game here. We'll try to make this relatively quick to Ben. UTEP 5-1, and one, La Tech 2-3. and three. I'm going to take La Tech on the road. UTEP has had a good season. It's been a remarkable year, but... In a game, in a situation like this, you're at home. I think that helps them. But La Tech's been a good football team, quality opponent, good quarterback, good offense. Bulldogs get it done. I like the Bulldogs, too. I like Louisiana Tech. Even, I mean, every game they've played this year has been very close. Uh, they're, they've shown a lot of offensive ability, but their defense has not been really that great. But UTEP wasn't really that scary offensively uh, last game. Uh, their QB was terrible. I mean, he completed seven passes. One interception, lose 127 yards. I mean, still one, but just a really bad night. And their offense has kind of been stalling a little bit, stalling, stumbling, but they've still been able to keep the record up. I just like Louisiana Tech a little bit more. I think that offense is going to waltz on into UTEP and roll them a little bit. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but uh, Louisiana Tech's going to walk away with this one with a victory. All right, that does it for week seven. Our week six preview and then the preview of week here on Inside Conference USA. For Ben Cower, Justin Zimmer, I'm Andrew Rogers. Stay tuned. Sports View with Cross Country and Men's Golf, followed by Sports Buzz, gets us through the rest of Sports Night. Thank you for listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Tune in again next Wednesday at 530 for another episode.
You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. The worldwide leader in Marshall University sports coverage. Welcome back inside the Xfinity Center here in College Park, Maryland. Happy to have you with us on this Black Friday. Welcome back inside Little John Coliseum. 4.48 to go in the first quarter. Welcome back to Johnny Red Floyd Stadium. Welcome inside the Cole Center, everyone. The Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. music on the radio feel like a wild goose chase? Hey, goose! Hey, come back here. 